Tonight, I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Judges. When you get to the book of Judges, there is a cycle, and I know that you've heard this over and over again, but the cycle repeats itself every time there is a judge. The people, they will fall into sin. God, you know, has taken care of them. They do well, and then they'll fall into sin. Well, then that makes God angry with the people, so therefore, he allows them to be oppressed. He allows them a lot of times to maybe even be taken captive, to be abused, just all these things that he allows to happen. Well, in turn, that causes the people to cry out. They cry out, they repent, they beg God to to help them to get out of the mess they've gotten themselves into, and God will provide a judge. God will provide a judge to help them, to fight the battles for them, to lead them. They will come to a point of peace, and then the judge will die. And the cycle repeats itself over and over and over again. And you know what that tells me? We don't learn our lesson, do we? There's probably not a person in this assembly that can say, I always learn my lesson because you don't. You're just like me. Sometimes we repeat the same old things over and over again. And tonight we're going to look at Gideon. I promised you this morning that I would make up for preaching 15 minutes long this morning. I'll try to go short tonight. So I'm not going to read chapter 6 and 7. I would like to, but I'm not going to. I'll give you the highlights, if you will. In chapter 6, you know, the book of Judges, it opens up and it tells us that it's been, at the end of chapter 5, it's been 40 years now that the people had had rest. Deborah, the, the judge that was there previously, she has gone on and, and it's been a long time. But that cycle picks right back up again and the people sin. Well, the Midianites, they take advantage of that, and God is using the Midianites to to punish his people. And they drive the children of Israel into caves and all sorts of bad situations. In fact, the children of Israel, they they plant their gardens, their crops, all of these things, and the Midianites, they'll come along and they'll take everything that's harvested. They'll take it all. And the people of Israel, they are crying out, and they're really, really struggling, and well... Again, according to that cycle, God is going to provide. God takes a man by the name of Gideon, and God tells Gideon that he is going to uh, help him to fight for his people. Well, Gideon, he doesn't believe that, and he doesn't know what in the world he can do himself, uh, but Gideon kind of goes along with the plan. And God is going to tell him some things to to get him to understand that, that he is the man that indeed God needs. God is going to use him to tear down the altars of Baal. Well, Gideon doesn't really want to do that. He's terrified, but eventually he does do that, and the people see it, and they get upset, and and they're actually wanting to get a hold of Gideon. And Gideon's father steps in and says, hey, let Baal fight for himself. Let him fight for himself if really there's, there's something wrong with what Gideon did. So they agree, and they leave Gideon alone, and God tells Gideon, he says, you're going you're gonna to fight for me. Well, Gideon still struggles with it, and he begins to ask for sign. And, and those signs have to do with the dew on the fleece, the dew on the ground, and then reversed. And, and God does all of that and shows Gideon uh, that what he wants him to do. And he says, Gideon, I want you to get together some people. Get together some people. So Gideon, he gathers up a large army. And God says, that's too many. That's too many. He says, if you take that large army and you fight, he says, well, then the people will think they did it themselves. 
They will think they are mighty. He says, that's too many. God says, I got a plan. He says, I want you to go and I want you to tell them, if you're afraid, if you don't really want to do this, then go home. Well, a large portion of them goes home. And you get down to about 10,000 people and God says, you know what, that's still way too many. He says, Gideon, I've got another plan. He says, I want you to go down to the stream and I want you to take whoever gets down and cuffs the water and laps up the water and then you separate them from the people that get down on their knees and drink from the stream. You separate those two groups and I'll tell you which one's going to go. Well, it wound up there was 300 people that lapped up the water like God had said. And God says, I want you to take those 300 people. Can you imagine you are a leader that you're going to go fight a mighty army and God has gotten you down to 300 people, what would you think? Gideon was terrified. God says, Gideon, I want you to sneak down. I want you to sneak down and I want you to see uh, what the people have to say about you. Well, he sneaks down and he overhears a dream. And we're going to come back to this dream in a minute. But the interpretation of that dream is Gideon is coming and Gideon is going to be victorious. Well, God hatches this whole plan that those 300 people, they surround the camp of the Midianites and they've got their torches and their jars and all of these things and their trumpets. And, and within God's plan, they do exactly what he says. The Midianites, in essence, defeat themselves and Gideon is victorious. And you say, wow, that summed it up real quick. Well, it did, but maybe most of you know the story. But you see, I, I want to focus on some things. I want us to learn some lessons from Gideon. I want us to learn some lessons that will be practical and yet uplifting for us because, you see, Gideon was not a special person. Gideon was not like Samson, you know, that he had superhuman strength and all of these things. Gideon was just your average, ordinary Joe, if you will. And Gideon was a lot like us. And I want us to learn five lessons tonight from Gideon. I'm just going to go ahead and put them all up here and that way, if you want to write it down, you can write it down. But I want us to learn those lessons and apply them to our lives. Number one, I want us to see that God doesn't always expect us to understand everything that's going on. You know, sometimes we, we think that it's just a horrible thing to, to have any kind of questions. And if somebody ever doubts God and wonders why things are happening, that, you know, shame on them, they shouldn't do that. But yet the hero of this story did just that. He questioned, he didn't understand, and he was trying to figure it out, and yet God does not condemn him. In fact, in verse 13, the Bible tells us that Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Was that true? Did God forsake them? No. They forsook God, but yet Gideon, in his mind, he's, he's got all these questions. And, and he doesn't understand, and he cries out, and God does not rebuke him. God does not tell him, shame on you, Gideon, you shouldn't have done that. In fact, God doesn't say anything other than tells him, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to help you do this. Well, let me ask you, are there some things sometimes you don't understand? I just looked it up right before I got up here. We sing the song farther along. Tempted and tried, we're off made to wonder why it should be thus 
all the day long. While there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong. Why? You ever question a lot of things? Do you ever question the fact why it is that, that good people have to suffer so many bad things? And, and maybe you question why your family has had to endure such a thing. And, and maybe there's even been a time in your life that, that you have felt that God has forsaken you. You know what? You're in the company of Gideon. Because that's honestly how he felt. And he told God as much, God, this is how I feel. You know, sometimes we can't help how we feel but yet God can be there to pick us up and to help us to understand. God can be there to pick us up and help us to get through the problem, and yet we can be there for one another to help each other get through the problems. There's a lot of things I don't understand. I don't understand a lot of things that, that children have to endure and, and a lot of things that God allows to happen, but you know what? I know He's in control. And even though I don't understand it and, and, and maybe I question it from time to time, that doesn't make me just a horrible person. It makes me just like Gideon. So you see, I learned through Gideon that God doesn't always expect us to understand everything. In fact, Gideon didn't understand, but yet the Lord turned to him and he said, Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Gideon says, I don't have a clue what you're doing, God. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know anything. God says, I'm going to help you. Just carry on. Don't quit. You don't have to understand everything. Carry on. Don't quit. Number two, you know, God sometimes asking, and I put that in quotations, weird things, and that weird would be by our mindsets. Now think about this just for a second. If you were a a general that had an army, are you going to pick your army based upon who's going to lap up water like a dog? Anybody want to do that? Anybody been in the military and maybe that's how they decided who was going to go fight in the battle, right? You, you decide whoever goes down there and they lap up the water, that's the people I want, right? No. But you see, God sometimes asks things that are not human things. God says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, my ways are not your ways nor my thoughts your thoughts. They're above what you think and you feel and all of those things. God says, I, I don't operate like a man operates. You know, when the children of Israel were going to uh, cross the, the River Jordan and take the city of Jericho, what did God ask them to do? Go in there with battering rams and knock the gates down and kill everybody? No, what did he ask them to do? Well, you march around the city one time for six days and then seven times on the seventh day and you blow the trumpet and the walls will fall. Is that a weird thing by our standards? Yes. It's a weird thing by our standards, but yet if God asks us to do it, you know what? We don't question. God told Gideon, I want you to choose who's going to go to battle based upon what I tell you to do. You realize the religious world, and, and in fact the world in general, they look at us and a lot of these things that we practice and do, and they look at it as a weird thing. They question, you know, partaking of the Lord's Supper. Who in the world decided that you eat a cracker and you drink grape juice to, you know, celebrate the Lord's death and remember it till He comes again? Who in the world thought of something like that? Is that what you would do if you had the, you know, if you were in charge of making it happen? Well, no. How many people question us about this baptistry behind us? What in the world do you people think? That you can take and dunk somebody in water and when they come up, they're forgiven of their sins. That is ridiculous. That's, let me tell you, we serve a God that 
sometimes in men's eyes does very weird things. But you know what? He's in control. It worked for Gideon. It works for us. Don't question God's methods. Gideon didn't question God's methods here. Oh, was he scared to death? Absolutely. And that brings us to our next one. God understands our fears. Are you ever afraid of anything? If I looked around the audience and I asked you, do you ever go through times in your life that you're terrified? I do. You know, maybe, you, maybe you've got a doctor's appointment. And maybe you go to that doctor's appointment and there's something just, just not quite right. And you know it. And you're at that doctor's appointment and deep inside your belly, you, it's just in knots, right? And you're terrified. You, you don't know what he's going to tell you. Or maybe, you know, you're about to have a, a serious surgery and before that surgery, you know, maybe you're just, you're just so frightened and you don't know what to do. Maybe it's that, you know, somebody is asking you Bible questions at work and, and it's got you just shaking in your boots, if you will. Sometimes as Christians, we're afraid. And sometimes as Christians, you know, we feel so bad that we're afraid because we know that the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, 2 Timothy 1.7. God doesn't want us to be a fearful people. In fact, the Bible says the cowardly, well, they'll go away into the lake of fire, Revelation 21, verse 8. And so when we're afraid, we feel so ashamed and we feel so guilty. In fact, I was told a story, I don't know, a couple months ago, totally unrelated to Willow Avenue, but the story went that a guy was visiting another guy in a hospital and he was having surgery and the man was scared to death. I'm afraid this surgery's not going to go well and I'm going to die. And the man chewed him out. He says, you're a Christian, you should never be afraid and you should be ashamed of yourself to be afraid. And let me tell you something, if you're having a serious, serious surgery and you think you may lose your life, odds are you're going to be afraid, right? Does that mean you're cowardly and you're going to go to the lake of fire? No, not in any shape, form, or fashion. There's a difference in being cowardly and having fear. I understand fear is part of being a coward, but they're two different things. You see, Gideon had some fears, and yet God did not condemn him. And I want us to see that. Genesis or Judges chapter 6, verse 16. The Lord said to him, Surely... I will be with you. Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Well, then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign. God says, Gideon, I'll be with you. You're going to defeat the Midianites. And Gideon says, I don't know, God. I don't know, God. You're going to have to show me a sign that this thing is actually going to be able to happen. I just don't know if I get it. Well, he goes through, and to save time, he goes through this process. God shows him the sign. He says, oh, okay, okay. Skip the next one and go to verses 36 through 40. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, now let's stop a minute. God has already told Gideon, I'm going to save Israel, just like I told you. I'm going to save them by, by your hand, Gideon. And Gideon says, okay, God, if you're really going to do that, like you've said, look, he says, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor if there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on the ground around, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Well, you know what God did? Exactly that. Exactly what Gideon said. 
Well, he gets up the next morning and, and he wrung the dew out of the fleece and the ground all around is dry and everything's good. And Gideon goes, okay, God, that's good enough. No. Gideon says, God, I, in essence, I'm terrified. Terrified, God. Can you do that again, but yet do it in reverse? What does God say? Okay. Where's the condemnation that, Gideon, you shouldn't be afraid. You should be ashamed of yourself. And don't ever question me. It's not there. In fact, God just wants to put his arm around him and say, Gideon, I'm going to be with you. Gideon, I'm going to be with you. In fact, if you go back to, to verse 25 through 27, God had told Gideon, hey, cut down the altars of Baal. Cut down the altars of Baal. Get rid of those things. And, you know, you know God's people don't need that around. And God told him to do that. But look at verse 27. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Well, you know, God told him what to do, and, but Gideon was afraid. Now let me ask you something. Would you be afraid in that situation? If God told you to go right in the middle of the city and you cut the altars down that all these people worship at, I'd been just like Gideon. I'd wanted to do what God said, but I might have wanted to do it in the dark, right? Sometimes we look down on Nicodemus. Sometimes we look down on Nicodemus because in John chapter 3, he came to Jesus by night, and ultimately we have no idea why he came by night. But sometimes we say he's cowardly, and he didn't want anybody to see him, but isn't that the same as Gideon here? But God doesn't frown on Gideon. You know, sometimes we are scared to do things. Sometimes someone wants to obey the gospel, but you know, they don't walk down the aisle. What do they do? They wait till everybody's gone, and there's a handful of people there, and they become a Christian. Is that okay? According to Gideon, it is. Because Gideon did the same things. In fact, even when God told him to go into the city and spy out the city, this is in chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, he tells him, he says, Gideon, he says, I, I want you to go. He says, but if you're afraid, and this is God speaking to Gideon, if you're afraid, take somebody with you. I understand that you might be scared. If you're afraid, take somebody with you. What did Gideon do? He took somebody with him. You see, God understands. God understands that we are human, and we, we're frail, and we're not always going to be at our tip-top best. And I learned from Gideon that God understands my fears. Number four, God can use a nobody. God can use a nobody. You know, when God came to Gideon and, and chapter 6, 14 and 15, and he tells him, you're going to do all these things, what did Gideon say? In essence, I'm a nobody. God, why, why are you calling upon me? He says, my clan is small and I'm the weakest person in the whole clan. God, why are you calling on me? Can't you find somebody better than me? I, I, I'm a nobody. Well, even when Gideon went down and spied out the camp of the Midianites, do you know what the dream was? When he overheard the people talking about the dream, the dream was that they envisioned a cake of barley bread rolling down the hill and hitting the tents and knocking them down. Do you know what barley bread was? That was food for the poor people and the animals. That wasn't anything of any significance at all. Barley bread was the most common thing that you could have. You know what? 
God can use somebody that's common. You know, one of the biggest draws that drew me to come to Willow Avenue, one of the biggest draws that drew me to come to Willow Avenue is there wasn't a spirit here of a who's who, if you will. It wasn't like that at all. And I loved that, and I wanted to be a part of that. Because you see, I'm a nobody. I am. If I go do a gospel meeting and they say, well, can you write down a bio for us? You know what my bio says? I've got a wife and four kids and I'm a member of the church. I don't want anything else on it. I'm a nobody, but you know what? You allowed me to come here and to take a job and I'm standing before you tonight preaching and I'm okay with being a nobody. doesn't bother me in the least. And you're okay with that. But you know, at a lot of places, I wouldn't get to stand up here. Wouldn't get to stand up here. I don't have any degrees. I don't have any of these things. But I love it when a church doesn't care about all of those things. We live in a world that is too political. And when we bring those political ideas into the church, what happens? You've got problems. We live in a world that who you are depends on how you get treated and all of those things. And it should never be that way, especially within the church. And you see, God can use a nobody. Doesn't mean that you know you don't have to be something extra special. You don't have to have accomplished great things in your life. God can use you just like you are. And I learned that from Gideon. And you know, the last one ties in with that fourth one. You realize God sees things in us that we can't see? I want you to go back and I want you to look at verse 12 with me in Judges chapter 6. Before God tells Gideon anything that he's going to do, before Gideon even begins to question God like he does in verse 13, I want you to notice what God sees within him. Verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, speaking to Gideon, and he said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. What had Gideon done to prove himself? Nothing. Absolutely nothing, but yet God saw something within him that Gideon did not know was there, his family did not know was there, but yet God was still for him. You realize there are people sitting in here today that there's more within you than you give yourself credit for. There's more within you than, that God knows is there, and sometimes you don't know that it is there. Gideon had no idea that he could do all of those things, and that's why he needed so much reassurance from God. God, show me a sign. God, show me a sign. God, help me out. God, I'm afraid. I'm terrified. God knew what Gideon could do, and tonight God knows what you can do. And the biggest thing holding all of us back is what? Ourselves. Gideon tried to hold himself back. God wouldn't let him. You know what I learned from Gideon in our relationship from God in Psalm 103, the Bible tells us in verses 13 and 14, as a father shows compassion to his children, the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. God treats us like we treat our children. How do you treat your child? If they're afraid, what do you do? You comfort them. If they don't think they can do it, what do you do? You encourage them. Whatever it is that they're going through, you are there for them. In essence, God treats us just like we treat our children. He is always on our side. He's always on our side. He always has our best interests at heart. 
God knows that we're frail and weak and feeble and all of those things. And that's why the next verse says, He knows our frame and He remembers that we're but dust. You know what you were made out of? Dirt. You're made out of dirt. Someday when you die, what are you going to go back to? Dirt. Don't you think God knows that? Sometimes, sometimes we don't think that. Sometimes we don't. But God knows our frame. He remembers we're but dust. This week, as you go through your week, you're at work and you're facing all of these things, all these uncertainties around him, all these problems that you go with, I want you to think about Gideon. And I want you to think about these five simple lessons and I want you to put them into practice, implement them into your daily life. I promise you it will help you. It will help you to be more of what God wants you to be. It will help you to feel better about yourself because that's what God wants for you. God loves you just like you love your child. He wants to be there for you just like he was for Gideon. Tonight, if you're not a New Testament Christian, the lesson's not been about what it takes, but probably most people here understand that. If you want to do that tonight, we will assist you in becoming a Christian. Most of you are Christians tonight. Most of you are Christians, and maybe there's someone here tonight that's been struggling. Maybe you have wandered away, and, and maybe you've allowed your doubt of God to overwhelm you and, and take charge in your life, and maybe tonight you want to turn that over to him. Maybe tonight you're just weak and you need prayers, whatever it may be. Why don't you come while together we stand and sing?